right, thank you for that. Appreciate that. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Numbers chapter number 13. Numbers chapter number 13. This morning I want to preach on the topic or the, the, the title rather of the message is Held Hostage by Fear. Held Hostage by Fear. Fear is an emotional response to pain, hurt, failure, or losing control. Um, years ago, in, when we lived in Peru, we had a, a playhouse that was outside in the yard, and, and uh, my girls were watching a couple other uh, younger Peruvian girls. They had come over, and my girls were watching them, and they wanted to go out and play in that little playhouse outside. So they went out there, and, and they were playing, and, and, uh, and all of a sudden in that playhouse, man, a big old spider showed up. Now, when I big spider. I'm not talking about the size of a dime, okay? That's small beans in Peru. Our spiders were a little bit bigger, and uh, we had what was commonly called as wolf spiders, and, uh, and they grow really big, and they walk, they, they don't walk, they run really fast, and, uh, and they hunt their food, and, and they're, they're just big, and they're fast. And, uh, and my girls, they saw that spider, and, and man, they got scared, but the girls who, who they were watching, uh, they didn't have any fear. Matter of fact, uh, my girls said this. They said, we were shocked. We were blown away. Uh, that little girl grabbed that spider with her bare hands and threw it out the window. That's what she did. And, and you know, if you've had children, a lot of times children do not have fear because they don't have any experience. And so fear is that idea of, of it comes through experience now, um, and it, it is that emotional response to pain. I mean, if you've been bit by a spider, uh, or maybe a lot of people, if you've been bit by a dog, you have fear of a dog. And you have good reason to be, because uh, sometimes dogs do bite. Uh, and so maybe, maybe that's to help us understand, but a lot of times... There's a, there's a certain amount of fear that is, that is healthy. It's a healthy dose of fear. Some children have no fear. Uh, I remember one of the, uh, a friend of mine, his son was, I think, two years old, and he broke his arm, and I thought, how on earth do you break your arm when you're two years old? Well, what happened was they had one of those cars, the little, you know, the plastic cars that kids play with and that one kid will get inside, and usually another kid will push him around. Well, instead of getting inside it, he climbed on top of it and stood while his brother pushed him around. And so that's how he fell and broke his arm because he had no fear. Um, but, some, uh, but we need to understand that, that there is a healthy dose of fear. There's no doubt about that. But there's also an extreme amount of fear that can uh, hold you hostage and keep you from doing things. And I want to look at this passage this morning in Numbers chapter number 13. And the Bible says this in verses number, verse, we'll start in verse number one. The Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. And these were their names of the tribe of Reuben, 
uh, Shemua and the son of Zakur. Now, we're not going to read all the names. Jump down with me to verse number 26. Uh, they did end up going out there, and they spent some time there. And in verse number 26, they return, and the Bible says this, And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel and unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Let's stop there and let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you just for your goodness to us. God, I pray that you'd use me. God, I pray that you'd speak through me this morning. God, I pray that you would teach each, touch each and every heart as only you can. And God, may we not allow our fears to keep us from doing what you would have us to do. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. And God, I pray that each and every heart would be attentive to you this morning. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we look at this first part of this chapter, this is uh, the portion of Scripture where Moses sent out the spies into Canaan land and they were to go out and spy out the land and then they were to come back and, and of course they were to go and to conquer Canaan land. God had promised Canaan land to the nation of Israel. But you know the story, and I know the story. Uh, at least I grew up singing the song. Uh, Twelve, Twelve went down to spy out Canaan. Ten were bad, and two were good. Those are the hand motions that go with it. Uh, and, and so I remember growing up and singing that song. So you know the story. You know what took place. Uh, the, 12 the Twelve spies went out, and when they came back, only two of them gave a good report. And as a result, they did not go into Canaan land. Matter of fact, they spent the next 40 years or more wandering in the wilderness. And I want us to look at this passage this morning and just see a few observations from this passage. The Bible says here in verse number uh, 1, 1 and 2, I want you to see the fact of the promise. The first thing we notice is the fact of the promise. The Bible says in verse number 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan. And look at this phrase, you can underline this in the Bible, which I give unto the children of Israel. Now who's speaking? Well, the Bible's very clear. In verse number 1 it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, and he tells them, hey, send a few men out to spy out the land. But in the second phrase there, he says, uh, to search out the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. And so we find there is a promise in God's word that he had made, hey, I will give you the promised land. The nation of Israel, he had promised them uh, the land of Canaan. Matter of fact, uh, you don't have to turn back with me, but you can mark it down. In Genesis chapter number 17 and verse number 8, we find that God had given the promise to Abram, that was even before his name had been changed, uh, about the, the land of Canaan. And the Bible says in Genesis 17 and verse number 8, God is talking and he says, I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. We find that God made a very clear promise 
in his word to Abraham and to the nation of Israel that he would give them Canaan land. Listen, that promise was given at least 400, probably 500 years prior to Moses sending the spies in to spy out the land. It had already been promised. It had happened uh, some time ago. And let me tell you something, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, that God is, uh, God's promises are trustworthy. If God says it, you can mark it down that God is going to do it. We have example after example. We have thousands of years worth of example of God making promise and God keeping His promise. In the same book that we have all of those promises recorded for us and all of those examples given to us, we have plenty of examples as well of mankind failing God time and time and time again. And so it's no secret to us that God is faithful, He is able, He willing is willing to complete and do His promises. But man, time and time again, us, we tend to fail God. Time and time again. But I want you to understand and I want you to realize that God is faithful. And that God will complete His commandments and His promises. And we find here uh, that uh, there, all the examples of man failing many times are a lack of faith or rebellion or just flat out disobedience or fear. There's many reasons why man fails God, but I want you to know that God never fails man. Uh, you look back and even here with the nation of Israel, even these people who were looking at spying out the land of Canaan, I want you to realize and I want you to understand that God had brought them out of Egypt. One of my favorite chapters of the Old Testament is Exodus chapter number 14. As the nation of Israel, they come out of slavery out of Egypt and, uh, and towards chapter 12 or chapter 13 rather, and, and they're coming out of Egypt and out of that slavery, and man, they're excited and they're free, and, uh, and God leads them straight up to the Red Sea. You know, he put that pillar of, uh, of fire before them at night and a, a pillar of a cloud in the daytime so that they would have a visible reference to follow God in their life. And, and as he brought them out, uh, they brought them all the way up to the Red Sea. And then all of a sudden, the Egyptians are following behind them. You, you talk about an incredible passage. I, man, I, I want to see the DVD of that. I hope they got it archived in heaven. I believe it happened. I have no doubt that it took place. Uh, I, it's not that I, I want to see it because I don't believe it. I do believe it took place. Man, it would just be an awesome sight to behold. To see the, the, the Red Sea parted and, and the nation of Israel. Now, we say nation of Israel. I want you to understand, we're not talking about a family of five people. We're not even talking about a large family of eight people. <gasps> like mine. We're talking about a nation of people. I, one time I was, I was talking with somebody, and, and I had never really given it thought, to be honest with you, how many people were in the nation of Israel at that time. But I do know this, that Egypt was trying to limit how many kids they could have. Why? Because the nation of Israel had grown so large that they were in fear and in danger of overtaking the Egyptians just living in their land. 
So we're talking about a large number of people, and I don't know the exact number, and, and, uh, but, but let's just throw this out there because I, I think I remember him saying somewhere along this line uh, of, of possibly even a million people. Now, could you imagine? I can't hardly imagine a million people. Let's take, uh, I, I don't know numbers of stadiums. You guys who watch sports, you probably know how many uh, people are a seat in a, uh, in a stadium. So let's just take a stadium full of people and imagine them walking across the Red Sea on dry ground. That's a sight to behold. What I'm saying is it was an incredible miracle and, and they lived it. They witnessed it firsthand. It's one thing for you and I to talk about it. It's one thing for you and I to go back and read about it. It's one thing for you and I to say, man, we believe it. We believe it took place and we believe and we know that God is able to do that. But let me tell you something. When God does something in your life that is so, so out there, bigger than what you are, man, it becomes real in your life. And those people lived it. They walked through the Red Sea. I don't know how long it took. I couldn't imagine. You could probably go back and calculate the size of the Red Sea and figure out that the average person walks, I think, uh, uh, I think it's two miles an hour or something to that nature, and, and figure out how long it would have taken them to cross that Red Sea and then multiply that by, well, you got the first person. They probably uh, got it to the other side before the last person even ever started, to be honest with you. You could probably figure out a rough estimate of time, but what I'm telling you is these people saw firsthand, they lived through that experience, they crossed the Red Sea, they, they, they witnessed the very miracle of God. And then we see they get to Canaan land. They get to, not Canaan land, excuse me, but they get to the place where they are to go to Canaan land. And we find that God had commanded them to, uh, to go to Canaan land and to take it over. And, uh, and they, 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 as they send the spies out, they're busy seeing the land. And we find that God had promised to give them the land. But I want you to see not only the fact of the promise, I want you to see as well the fear of the people. Look with me at verse number 26 as we look at this. The Bible says in, in Numbers chapter number 13 and verse number 26, And they went and came, this would be the spies, to Moses and to Aaron, and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sent us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, and the Amalekites dwell in the land in the, of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it. 
for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, uh, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants and the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. I want you to notice the fact of the promise God had promised to give Canaan unto the nation of Israel and to lead them there, and, and they, they had God's promise. But I want you to notice as well the fear of the people. And as we look at this, I want you to understand uh, that there, this is nothing new. This is something that goes on all the time, uh, and, and it's taken place from this time uh, forward. Matter of fact, a lot of people, many times, God asks us to do something let me tell you something, sometimes it's fearful to step out by faith. There's no doubt about it. I, I'm, not, I'm not denying the fact that sometimes it is fearful. It is there. There's no doubt about it. But as we look at this passage, I want us to look at a few things and look at, I want you to notice this, uh, that in verse number 26, uh, they, you know what they did? It was, it was viewable to all. I want you to notice that they called uh, not just uh, uh, Moses and Aaron and the spies together. I'm sure that they had a, a meeting prior, uh, but man, they called a press conference. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they, they called CNN, they called Fox News, they called NBC, ABC, Nightline, and all of the big outlets and said, hey, we are going to have the biggest uh, news press conference. The spies have been gone for 40 days, and they finally returned, and now we're going to find out what is going on. And you see how they started. It was a national event. Uh, they said, hey, listen, uh, as they started out, they said, listen, uh, I want you to, they brought, the Bible says there in verse 26, they showed them the fruit of the land. They brought back the grapes. You know the song, the grapes of Eshkel grow, uh, the big old grapes, and I don't know how big or how sweet or how wonderful they are, uh, but I tell you what, they brought them back as a display to the nation of Israel. And they showed them. Hey, this is uh, the blessing of God uh, that, that God has in this land. It is a land that is wonderful. And they showed it all. But I want you to notice in verse number 20, even in verse number 27, they were talking about the wonderful milk and honey that flows there. But look with me at verse number 28. And I want you to see uh, some of the voices of fear that they started to propagate. The Bible says there in verse number 28, Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. You say, the children of Anak, what is that? Well, if you look down there in our same passage in verse 33, uh, the Bible says, And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which come of the giants. In other words, 
they were beastly, they were big, they were strong, they were, uh, it was a land full of them, at least that's what they were saying. And as we look at it, uh, listen, there was uh, the, the voices of fear that was being propagated to all the people and they were saying, man, can't do it. Uh, yeah, it's true. They have grapes that are huge. Yes, the land is flowing with milk and honey. But I tell you what, the people who live there, uh, they are big and they are strong. Not only that, but all of the cities are walled about and we are just a feeble people. And how are we to defeat them? There was voices that were disparaging the promises of God. They were saying, listen, it's not possible. Jump down to verse 31, uh, and it says there, uh, but when the men went up with him, uh, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land which through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. In other words, he said, if we go up there, they are going to destroy us. They are going to chew us up and they are going to spit us out. And we have no option. It is not something that we need to endeavor to do. They were disparaging what the very promises of God. God said in verse number 2, I give it unto you. God's promise was sure. God's promise was very clear. God's promise was known. This was the same God that had brought them across the, the, the Red Sea and had defeated the enemies, their Egyptians, from slavery. That's the God that had given them this promise. But yet they look at all the circumstances. They say, man, no, we can't do it. And there's a voice, there's voices rather, of fear that are crying out and I want you to notice in the midst of all this passage in the center of it is verse number 30 and we have a voice of faith look at what Caleb says while they're busy trying to explain how how big and how strong they are in verses 28 and 29 he says in verse number 30 and Caleb stilled the people before Moses I could kind of picture them up there as the uh, the other spies are talking man those guys are strong and they're big and and I can see the people start to chatter. Man, we shouldn't go. I don't think we're going to be able to do this. And, and the, the fear starting to run through the people as they're there. And the Bible says, hey, Caleb got up and he stilled the people. And he said, hey, just a minute, wait a minute, hold your horses. He says, I, I want to tell you this. In verse number 30, he says this, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Caleb was a voice, not of fear, but a voice of faith. Trusting in God. Saying, listen, we can go up and conquer let's go right now we need to get around and we need to go we need to obey the promises of God and follow what God has promised us and conquer the land that God has given us and take what is rightfully ours but I want you to notice in verse 31 but the men that went up with him said we be not able to go up against the people you know what they did as soon as the sole voice 
of faith was crying out and as soon as the sole voice of faith was trying to encourage and strengthen the hearts of the people, listen, they silenced him immediately and said, no, hey, we can't do it. And ten men overpowered what Caleb was saying. Said, no, it's not going to work. We'll die. They will chew us up and spit us out. We see the voice of fear overcame the voice of faith and the voice of faith was singular while the voices of fear were many as they were propagating and, 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 and really uh, trying to propagate fear throughout the people. Look with me at verse number, chapter number 14 and verse number 1. This is a really sad passage here in verse number 1 of chapter 14. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Not only do we have the voice of faith, the voice of fear, but I want you to notice in chapter number 14, the valor is forsaken. The courage for them to go is broken. The people were scared to death. They said, we can't go. The Bible says that they cried all night long. Here was a people that left out of bondage out of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. God has promised them Canaan. And now they are, they are wanderers. They have no home. They have no place to go. And they are crying. The Bible says they cried all night long. Look at verse number 2. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God that we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto the land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? And were it not better for us to return into Egypt? Egypt. Verse 4, and they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. You talk about a sad passage. The nation of Israel, God's chosen people who had crossed the Red Sea and witnessed this marvelous miracle of God bringing them out and God promised them the land of Canaan and said, hey, I'm going to take you over. I'm going to give it to you. And they, they, they listened to the other ten spies who were disparaging and discouraging and who were casting doubt on the very promises of God and, and were not trusting in God's promises and said, you know what? We're going to listen to these ten men. They cried all night long. Then they said, Man, we were better off in Egypt. We would have been better off if we'd have died in slavery in Egypt and never witnessed the crossing of the Red Sea. What an incredible statement. Then in verse 4, they say, we need to get us a captain. We need somebody to take us back to Egypt. Hey, somebody's got to lead us back. Somebody's got to take us back. Listen, it was no longer about God. It was all about them and their life and the predicament that they were in. And listen, many times when people get discouraged, you know what they do? They stop focusing on God and they start focusing on themselves and they start focusing on their circumstances and they start focusing on the difficulty that's all around them and they say, we can't do this because of that and we this because of that and they won't trust in God and they won't look to God they're trusting and looking all around them at the problems 
and they're held hostage by fear. That's the state of these people. Jesus said this in Mark 8.35, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. I'm not talking about salvation being eternal salvation. Eternal salvation is not based on our works. It is based on faith and placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to be saved. But there's something to be said about those who seek to only save their own life, that, listen, effectively they lose their life because they spend all their time trying to save it. And God said that those who will lose His life for my sake, for the Gospels the same, shall save it. Not only do I want you to see the fact of the promise of God, and I want you to see the fear of the people, but I want you to see in chapter 14 and verse number 22, the forfeiting of the possession, where they forfeited the very possession that God had given them. Look with me in chapter 14 and verse number 22. There's a lot that goes on in between there and there's a dialogue where uh, the nation of Israel is of course upset and, and God uh, wants, to, wants to wipe them all out to be honest with you. And Moses intercedes for those people and he says, listen God, don't wipe them all out. Uh, listen, have mercy on them and, and, and Moses pleads for the people and God even does have mercy on those people. But I want you to notice this, even in spite of all of God's mercy and all of God's long suffering and the prayers of Moses, I want you to notice that they forfeited the possession that they should have had. Look with me in verse 22. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. Verse 24, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land wherein, wherein to he went and his seed shall possess it. I want you to notice that this people the murmuring crowd, the fearful crowd, those who listened to uh, the reports of the ten spies that went out and, and those who uh, fell prey perhaps to being held hostage by fear in their life and refused to follow God, those people were the ones that God said, listen, they will not enter into my land. They'll not receive the blessing. You know what happened? For the next 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. They didn't see the land. They wandered all around in circles, in a wilderness, in a dry and barren land, totally forfeiting the possession that God fully intended to give to them. It's not God's fault. They forfeited it. They said, I abandoned my right. I'd rather go back to Egypt. 
I'd rather be in slavery and in bondage. And they gave up. They did not even see the land. They saw the grapes. Oh, they were, they were brought down. They were put on display. They saw the blessing that was potential from this land, but they could not see the land, uh, uh, the land itself. They saw the grapes. They heard the blessing of the land, but they would not taste it. They would not see it, and they would not dwell therein. God said no. Not only that, but they were sent to the wilderness, as I said. Caleb and Joshua were men of faith. We find later Joshua mentioned, he's not mentioned in this passage, but Joshua as well was allowed to go in. But let me tell you something. I just want to, as a side note, Joshua and Caleb's life, for 40 years, they too had to wander around the wilderness for the lack of faith of these people, for the fear that gripped their hearts held them hostage, and ultimately robbed them from God's blessing in their life that they should have had. They could have had. It should have been theirs. But Joshua and Caleb did get to go to the land. They did get to go in. They did get to dwell therein. Matter of fact, uh, Joshua uh, and Caleb led uh, the, the nation of Israel to go in and to conquer the land. You can read all about it in the book of Joshua as they led the people and they went into that land. And, and as we think about this, I want you to understand uh, how does all that apply? That's wonderful. You know, that's a, a great Bible story. There's a lot of information there. There is. But let me tell you something this morning. Fear can grip your heart and hold you hostage and completely uh, keep all of the blessings of God out of your life. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying that you'll lose your salvation. That's not what I'm saying at all. We firmly believe once you trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior, you are saved for all of eternity. And I believe that. Listen, I want God's blessing on my life not just an eternity in heaven. Oh, I'm looking forward to eternity in heaven. But listen, I want His blessing here on my life, here on this earth. I don't want to spend 40 years wandering through the wilderness, fighting and clawing for every day, trying to stay alive and just trying to make it through the 40 years so that I could go to heaven. I'd rather have God's blessing on my life and Him smiling on everything that I do uh, than, to, uh, than to not trust in God's promises. I want you to think about this. 2020 and 2021 rather. Our world for one whole solid year has been taught fear. You think about it over the past year. Fear has been propagated and propagated. It is on the TV. It is on the radio. It is at the workplace. It is at the stores. It is everywhere you go. Fear is being instilled into every single heart of every person. And I'm not saying there's... there's I'm saying the pandemic is real. I understand that. I'm not saying to throw caution to the wind. You know we have been cautious. We have taken extra precaution. 
we clean our church, we have done a lot of things to help uh, to prevent. But I am saying this, there are people who have been held hostage by fear for one solid year in their life and it's gone and there's no way to get that back. And what I'm afraid of is, listen, if we allow fear to reign in our life and if we allow the fear of, of losing our life or uh, uh, anything else be, to reign in our life that will lose the very possession of the blessing that God wants to bless us with. I'm not saying we should not be cautious, understand where I'm at. But I am saddened. I'm greatly burdened by a lot of people who have, are, are forfeiting the blessing of God by not doing what God would have them to do. I'm fearful for those people. The world, listen, the world's going to have fear. I, I, I expect that of the world. They don't know God. They don't have an eternity with God. They're fearful of death. They're fearful of what's to come. And rightfully so. They don't have any hope, the Bible says. They don't have any uh, uh, hope of eternity. They don't know where they're going to spend eternity. But us as believers, as our name would indicate, as our title, we believe in God. We believe in eternity. We believe that God is able to take care of us. We believe that, hey, when we do die, we will spend eternity into heaven. And I'm not saying, again, that, you know, you should throw caution to a wind and go jump off a bridge because, after all, God will take care of you. That's not what I'm saying. We've been cautious. But I'm fearful for many people who are not just cautious, they're hostage to the feelings of fear that they have in their life. And they're Christians, and I'm not saying they're going to lose their salvation, and I'm not saying that at all if they're saved and if they're born again and if you've been saved and you're born again then listen God has promised you a place in heaven and you will get that place I have no doubt about that but what I am saying is you very well could be forfeiting blessings in your life today and spend the rest of your life wandering in the wilderness away from God that's not what God wants for your life he wants you to have his blessing. I wrote down just a few verses. I'm going to read them for you. You can jot them down. And they're all about fear and how God has time and time again said, fear not. The Bible says in Genesis 15, 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And the Lord said unto Joshua, this is Joshua 8.1, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Isaiah 35 and verse number 4, Say unto them that are of a fearful heart, strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. 
He will come and save you. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, the Bible says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Jesus said this in John 14, 27. He told His disciples, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Turn with me to Luke chapter number 12 and I want you to see this verse Luke chapter number 12 and we'll close with this the Bible says here in Luke 12 verse number 4 Jesus is speaking and he says this and I say unto you my friends be not afraid of them that kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. For I will forewarn you whom ye shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed you hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not thereof. Therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Fear not. Don't be held hostage by fear. Listen, God called me to be a missionary. God moved me to Peru. I could have said, Peru, are you crazy? It's a third world country, it's dangerous. I could have held my life hostage. I said, man, I, Peru, I can't go to Peru. You know, send, me to, send me to a lush country, send me to Italy, Lord. That's a nice country. That's not problematic. Maybe you're holding back. Maybe God wants you to do something. And you have fear in your life. You say, man, I don't know about that. Don't be held hostage by fear in your life. Allow God to use you. Trust in God. And allow Him to do His promises. Don't be wandering in the wilderness, wasting your time, and wasting your life. Fear has gripped people. Is fear keeping you from doing God's will in your life? Is fear keeping you from possessing the promises of God in your life? With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet, held hostage by fear. The nation of Israel certainly was held hostage. They forfeited their possession of the blessings in their life. What an example to us of what not to do. God, I pray that you'd speak to each and every heart. God, I pray that you'd help the message to be received in the spirit of which it was given. God, in love, I don't want to see people wandering in the wilderness, forfeiting the blessings of God in their life, living for self, God, I pray that you'd help each and every listener. That you'd speak to their heart.
God, you'd help them not to be fearful in their life. Help them to be surrendered and committed to what you'd have them to do. Oh God, there's lots of voices that would perpetuate the fear in our lives. There's lots of influence out there, God, that would substantiate the fears that we're feeling. But God, may we be in tune to your voice and have faith in you and trust in you. God, I pray that you'd speak to each and every heart as only you can. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, the altar's open. Are you held hostage by fear this morning? I don't want you to be the hostage of fear. I don't want your life to miss out on the blessings of God because you're fearful. Listen, the truth of the matter is we're all fearful a little bit. We all have a little bit of fear in our life, and, and that's fine. It's not wrong to be fearful, but it is wrong to let that fear hold you back and not do something. You think I was a little bit afraid when I took my family and moved to Peru, South America? I'd be lying if I said I wasn't. You think Caleb wasn't afraid when he stood up and said, let's go right now and conquer the land? Oh, I bet he had a little bit of fear, but he didn't allow it to hold him back. I think that's the difference. Is when we allow fear to control us and to hold us back and to hold us hostage. As the piano is playing and these have come, if God's spoken to your heart, take a moment, ask, and ask God to strengthen you. Ask God to bolster your faith. Ask God to encourage you and help you. We, we, we all struggle. Every one of us. But I'm telling you, God's faithful. You can trust Him. You can follow Him. You can obey Him.